Good morning, downtown Harvard Church. How are you doing today? As you can tell, you're in for a good time this morning. We are so excited about this brand new series, Love Connection, and I'm specifically excited to be a part of it today. Can you tell I don't normally do this? Um, I'm specifically, here we are, we made it. Gosh, service is over. <laughs> All right. I'm specifically excited to be um, able to speak in this really fun series. It's going to be a great three weeks together as we talk about what we believe is the best idea that God ever had, and that is love. We're going to be specifically talking about those romantic relationships, romantic love, and three phases that can happen with love. Falling in love, staying in love, and sometimes recovering from love. So wherever you are in life, wherever you are in that love journey, there is something for you in this series and even in this week as we kick it off talking about the real kickoff to any romantic relationship, which is falling in love. Falling in love, you know, the guys brought me in for this one because I'm kind of more at that stage of life where in our 20s, 30s, early 40s, we're typically entering into some of those first big real relationships um, in life. Sometimes the ones that we lock down and we're going to ride out the rest of our life with. And in that stage, you know, we, we get excited for it to, to be a part of our life because as humans, we're obsessed with this idea of falling in love, right? It's all in the movies. It's all in music. It's in Shakespeare from centuries ago. It's in modern day Shakespeare, also known as the Hallmark Channel, the wonderful poets over at the Hallmark Channel. They just, we love thinking about, talking about, listening, watching, falling in love. And, you know, specifically, it's those first steps when it comes to love, right? It's the very beginning. It's when they meet each other. It's, you know, when, sorry about that. It is when, um, you know, they hold hands for the first time. It's all that, like, first stuff, right? And truly, honestly, the people who have just mastered it, in my opinion, are the people at Hallmark Channel. I mean, some of these movies are just gold. And I don't know if you watch the Hallmark Channel. My mom and I could potentially be the only viewers in the world. I'm not sure. But um, if you ever watch any of these movies, you know that they're all the same, that they find each other. They're normally in a small town. They all own like Christmas stores year round and they're all successful. And, you know, they find each other, they fall in love. And at the very end of the movie, it cracks me up every time, the very end, it's in like the last minute that they have their first kiss. The camera zooms in, boom, cut credits. That's all we need to know. We need to know that they fell in love, they kissed. That's all we care about, right? And the movie ends and we lose sight of what happens after the, the movie is done. Now there's another franchise out there, a beloved franchise of mine. It's a guilty pleasure. You probably know what I'm talking about. It's The Bachelor. We got Pilot Pete up here, right? And The Bachelor is kind of that same thing where it's all about that exciting beginning. It's the first dates, it's meeting all the way to the end of the show where they have this amazing engagement somewhere on the other side of the world. And what The Bachelor at least does though is they, they kind of show you a little bit behind the curtain. They don't leave it at the engagement. I don't know if you watch The Bachelor, but you know that there's this thing called after the final rose, and it's where they bring it to present time. It's kind of like interview style. They show you where are they now, and what's hilarious is it kind of is perfect because it shows us that we're so excited about that beginning part, we might be quite ill-equipped for what happens after because normally once you catch up with them in real time, like they're not together. A lot of times he's chosen another girl, like he changed his mind. I mean, it's a disaster when you get back to present time. And I think that's because it does show us we love the beginning, 
we might not know what to do after. And I think that's because if you look at movies, music, uh, TV shows, a lot of the falling in love is centered around one specific strategy, and that's finding the right person. It's all about, I'm just waiting until I meet that person, that person I've been waiting for. And and we center movies around this because we love this idea. We're honestly relying on this person just coming into our lives and making everything better. But the thing is, falling in love is a whirlwind. That's why they say love is blind. And it's kind of intoxicating. And if we're not careful, We might think that anyone could be the right person. We're so excited to be falling in love. It's like, you have a pulse, I have a pulse, great. That's like, all I need is that we're both breathing. Let's do this thing, you know? And so like, that's why we have to talk about this today because we have to make sure we're combating those intoxicating effects of falling in love and and making sure that we're doing the groundwork to be in relationships that we're meant to be in and make sure that those relationships last. Because one of the things with this idea of finding the right person that can be dangerous is that we might believe that once I find the right person, I'll be all right. It's that idea that they're going to complete me. They're my better half. And that sounds so romantic and so nice. And we think about this person who's just going to make us better. But at the end of the day, I'm not really sure that that's a, a biblical concept. Because if you take this to the extreme, it could mean that it doesn't really matter what I do before I meet you. I can do whatever I want. I can maybe sleep around, be unpure with my eyes, whatever the case may be, because I can sow my wild oats, as the old people say. Because once I meet you, you're going to be the game changer for me. You're going to be what causes me to settle down, kick those bad habits, and turn it all around. But, you know, that, that means that we're saying my problem is not anything to do with me and what I'm doing. My problem is just that I've not met you yet. And with that thinking, you know, there's an issue because it puts a lot of weight on the other person, right? And really doesn't talk about your involvement in that equation. And sometimes when we think then we use this strategy, we're like, all right, I got to find this person. I'm going to be all right. And, you know, those intoxicating effects of falling in love, we just, we think this person, okay, they could be the right person. They're the right person. Let's move in together or let's get married. And then suddenly things aren't all right anymore. And so you start to think to yourself, oh, you know, maybe I married the wrong right person. So now you're looking for the next right person. And it shows that there's a flaw in this strategy because it's all about the other person and nothing to do with your part in all of that. Because two people that are both trying to find someone instead of be someone is a recipe for heartbreak. Here's another thing that I see a lot and I think can be another recipe for heartbreak. And that's this idea that a promise replaces the need for preparation. Like I can promise, I can say I do, and it doesn't matter what what went before. When we say I do, we're just going to make it work. It doesn't matter because we were in love. And even though I'm saying I do and I really haven't planned to carry it out, that's okay, right? Well, you know, that kind of means I do is really more like I'm going to try really hard. (laughs) And sometimes that can be a dangerous thing, right? Because we know you can't promise, commit, or vow your way to a successful long-term relationship. As much as you might want, you can't will your way into something that's going to thrive for, what, 60 years potentially? 
But this kind of thinking, it's just this idea that everything that happened before, everything I was before, everything they were before, can be overcome with two things, a promise and a party. We're going to stand at the altar. We're going to promise this thing. It's going to be great. We're going to have a big, glamorous party. And boom, everything's going to be magic. And I know I used to think this being in marriage was this unknown territory. It was kind of mystical. And it's like, once I get there, everything's good, right? Like, we're going to be different people when we get there. Listen, I got to tell you, you know, newsflash, don't want to be all doom and gloom, but you're literally the same people. Like, you are exactly the same. You just have a wedding ring on your left hand and probably a good amount of wedding debt, if you're me. And, you know, and so we have to be honest about this because... Things don't change overnight. The issues don't go away. The fights are still there. The less than ideal circumstances are still there, no matter how good the wedding party was. So the truth is, I do doesn't mean I can. And you know this, because you've sat at weddings before. Well, bless your heart. You're, you're you know, watching these two give their vows, and they're great vows, but you're thinking to yourself, like, Ooh, this is going to be a tall order for these two. Like, wow. <laughs> I mean, but why else do you go to weddings except to pick it all apart, right? And so you're, you're watching this and you're like, oh, they mean well, but you know that they haven't dealt with this or that or they're not prepared in this way. And so, you know, come on, we're all adults here. We know that saying I do doesn't make you capable. Saying I do makes you accountable. And if you're accountable, but you're not capable, you, my friend, are miserable. And you're miserable, <laughs> let me tell you, because you're stuck in this and you don't know what to do. You're not prepared with how to fix it. And so when that love high starts to wear off, which it does, you know, you, you tried to prop it up, keep the love going with the promise and the party, and it worked for a little while, but, but now you're in this and it's wearing off. And what do you do? Because a lot of times we go to those external things to try and help when the love high wears off. I mean, think about it. Even when you were dating and you had some problems, that's probably why you looked at each other and you said, let's fix this. Let's move in together. That'll work, right? And it works until it doesn't. So you say, well, it's because we need to get more in this. Let's, let's get engaged. And, oh, it's fun. It's a grand old time. And it works until it doesn't. So you say, it's because of the wedding planning. This dang wedding planning, I'm over it. We need to just get married. And that works until it doesn't. So you're like, what's left? Um, you know, let's have a kid. And, you know, so you go for that, and now that's a whole other thing. And you, you might sit back and realize one day that you're continuing to try and prop this up with all these external things, and suddenly you wake up, you're like, my life's a hot mess. Like I am riddled with debt. I'm sleep deprived from this infant and my relationship is still on the rocks. That's because it, it stinks to think about this, but you might have that moment where you realize my foundation was never correct to begin with for this thing. So you're still miserable. And that's why we're having this. We don't want our people here at Downtown Harbor Church to be miserable. So this next phrase I'm going to put on, on the screen, I spent a lot of time thinking about this one, and it's a doozy. So, so read this with me. Here we go. You don't have to read it out loud. That would be weird. But if you're not preparing, you won't be prepared. See, this is why the guys brought me, because this is brilliant, I know. If you're not preparing, you won't be prepared. I, I know that it's common sense, right? But I think we can all agree here. 
Common sense in relationships is not all that common. So we've got to talk about it because when it comes to any other area in life, academics, uh, sports, you name it, this is a concrete fact. But when it comes to relationships, like love is this mystical thing that it doesn't matter. It cancels out any gaps or issues because, oh, we're in love. And listen, I love love. Love is a great thing, but I believe that preparation is a key component to what is missing in so many struggling relationships. Let me put it this way. I've recently signed up for something that now I wonder why the heck I signed up for it, but I've recently signed up to run a half marathon. I'm running it in a couple months. Thank you. As I'm running, I'm going to be thinking of your applause. But um, I, it's 13 miles, if you don't know, and I am not a runner by any means. I probably on like a cardio running day would max out around like two miles. But I've just always wanted to do this. I've always wanted to challenge myself, so I, I'm, I'm doing it. But if you came to me and tomorrow was race day, and you said, so Christina, like, what are you doing to prepare? You're like, well, let me tell you, I have run two miles like five times now, and I'm just, it's going to be great. I'm going to have the best time because I want to run this race. You would be like, all right, sweetie. And you would like call the medics and have them standing by on mile four because you know I don't stand a chance. And yet, if you talk to a couple where, you know, maybe you're like having a conversation about, is this moving too fast? Have you guys talked about this? Are you ready? It's like, no, 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 like, doesn't matter. We really want to do this. And listen, I've, I have all the intention in the world of running 13 miles, but if I don't have the tools and the preparation to succeed, just like with the relationship, it's, it's going to be tough. And so, you know, even think about it with, like, sports teams. Like, basketball teams, they're not texting each other in a group text, like, I promise you we're going to win on Friday. Like, no, they know if you want to win, you got to practice. And so if you want to win at something, you need to prepare for something. And the same goes for relationships. So that's why the key that we're going to talk about today, the key that we believe is so helpful when it comes to succeeding in your long-term relationships is not about finding the right person, but instead it's about becoming the right person. Ooh, not finding, not like I've got to find them, I've got to find him, lock him down, make it work. No, it's about I've got to stop, I've got to look at myself in this equation and think how can I become the right person for that relationship I want to succeed. Let me put it even this way. Become the kind of person that the person you're looking for is looking for. Because we have great goals for our spouse, right? Like even like think about when you were dating, if you're, if you're married in the room, think about when you were dating and you, you had a list maybe of all the like things that you wanted your future husband to check off or your future wife. And like I, I created that list. I think that list is a great thing. It helps you be very intentional when you're dating. And so think about that list and, and all the person that you've created with this list. That person you're dreaming of, that person you're talking about, what if they had a list? If they had a list, would you meet what they're looking for? I actually, in my case, so I've been married for two years to the handsome man in the back running the slides. Great guy. And um, he, you know, he actually did have a list. So for me, my list that I wrote down that my parents prayed over for all my life, like he was that list for me. And he had a list that hopefully then 
He believes I fulfilled for him. It's very nice. And so I, you know, we talk, Adam and John joke about how much they hate when their wives, or their wives hate when they share stories about them. Well, I've brought my husband's personal journal. So I think I've won in embarrassing our spouses. But um, I just wanted to share with you guys, this was written in 2013, before I ever met Christian. And these were some of the things that he was looking for, that my person was looking for. He was looking for someone who loves God, someone who finds worth outside of their relationships with people, someone who doesn't hold grudges or keep score, someone who wants to travel. Oh, that was not the one I meant to read, but that's nice. I do like to travel. Someone who wants to be independent, have her own job, someone who wants to be slow to anger, patient, um, an example and mentor to others. These are just a couple of things that my person was looking for. And if I had been so focused on just finding, 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 instead of becoming some of these really big, amazing things, you know, that, that I could have missed out on him entirely. And so that's why I think this is so important. You know, there was a quote that I heard from a celebrity this week. She's a girl and she's single and she was talking about how right now she's just focusing on being the best version of herself. And she said that she hopes that somewhere out there, there her guy is doing the same thing so that when they come together, they're going to be better for it. And it was funny because in the interview, she said, like, and we're going to be better for it. And then boom, magic. And she stopped herself and she said, no, it's not magic. It's hard work. And I love that because it was like, yeah, we, sometimes we think I'm going to meet the right person, then boom, magic, it's going to work. When she was like, no, you know, we worked hard on that. We invested in that relationship. And I think that that can make all the difference. And that's why I believe that becoming the right person will prepare you to fall in love, to fall in love to, and make it last, to fall in love with the right person. Because we're talking about, as we're talking about that like groundwork stage where maybe you're single and so you're working on becoming that best version of yourself, it's gonna help you as you come into potential candidates to make sure you're really partnering up with the right person because you're not letting love blind you. But once you get in the relationship, there's a whole kind of other part of it too. And I thought the best thing that kind of worked to show you guys this was actually an old bottom line that we did three years ago at Downtown Harbor Church. So last time we did a relationship series and it was this whole like love is a gamble kind of theme. We've gotten less cheesy. Actually, I don't know if we've gotten less cheesy because the bumper was kind of fun and cheesy. I guess that's just us. But um, it was this bottom line. First steps in a relationship can be blinding. Do your homework properly. And they can be blinding because it's feelings unlike anything else in life, right? And if we're not careful and we're not making those wise choices, we can end up in something that is a messy, painful aftermath when it's all said and, said and done. And so that's why we talk about groundwork when you're preparing to be in a relationship and then even homework when you're dating. Homework like having awareness about your relationship, bringing in wise counsel to speak into it and asking yourself questions like, do we have good communication? Is there peace in our relationship or are we throwing things at each other? Is it gentle? Is there respect? Do we value the same things? All of these kind of things are so important once you're in that dating relationship. Because I believe if, if you work on the groundwork yourself and the homework when you're dating, those are the things that you can do to have a foundation to win in your relationships, to stay in love and to make it last. So that kind of leaves us with the big question of today. Everything I said sounded really nice, but okay, I'm not really sure what to do with that. The, the big question is, how do I become this amazing right person that you're talking about? 
Because that's kind of a daunting task, right? That's a pretty tall order. And that's where Jesus comes into play. Because Jesus actually answers this, and it's somewhat simple. Uh, and, you know, in John 15, towards the end of his life, Jesus has gathered his disciples for what you could call, uh, if you forget everything, remember this kind of message. And so he gathers them, and he uses imagery that you wouldn't normally expect for this topic, but he says this, I am a true vine, and my father is the gardener. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So this word remain, it kind of means like connected to or plugged into. And what he's saying here is that I'm the source. Like I have got to be your source for this because apart from me, you can do nothing. It's going to be so hard for you to be the best husband, the best wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, mom, sister, whatever the case may be, apart from me when you're not connected to me. And he continues, it kind of seems like he he goes to a different topic here, but he says, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. What we learn is, what are we remaining in? We're remaining, we're getting connected to God's love for us. That's got to be our source. So then you ask, well, how do I get connected to that? And he answers it. He says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. And you might be thinking, So that's what I've got to do. Like, that's what we're leading up to is some list of rules, some like requirements I've got to meet to be able to be connected and be a good husband. Like, that's where this is all leading. But come on, guys, you know Jesus. Jesus takes things that are wildly complicated and he simplifies it. He makes it about what matters most. And that's what he, what he does here. And before he tells us what, what this command is, he actually sets it up and he says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. He's saying, this, what I'm about to tell you is going to be for your joy. It's going to help you have the complete, most fullest amount of joy in your relationships. Kind of like John talked about last week when he said, I am trying to set you up to have long-term happiness. And so that's when he leads into the simple command that he gives us. He says, my command is this, love each other. And that's not a cutesy, like, uh, like hallmark kind of love. It's love each other as I have loved you. And what honestly I think is unfortunate is when we see this statement, we kind of think we've heard it too many times, so it, it doesn't have a full effect on us. Like we see that, we think that's just like, okay, that's the verse you chose, Christina. But like, think about this. Love each other as I have loved you you. Because when the disciples were hearing this from Jesus at this point, in a few days, he was about to do something even greater than he'd ever done. But right now at this moment, he was an incredible man. And he loved people on this earth in a way no one else ever had. He was gentle with people. He saw the best and wanted the best for people. He respected women in a way that no one else had in culture. He was healing. He was giving. He washed people's feet. He was a a servant. He was an amazing person and gave love in a way that was radical. But it was going to get even more radical because in a couple days, he would go to the cross and, and he would offer his life. He would lay down his life so that we could have a gift, a gift of eternal life. I mean, that is the grandest display of love that you could ever imagine. 
And so that's, that's the kind of love he's talking about. And you might say, well, uh, I, that's impossible. Like, that is, now that's a tall order, right? But the whole reason that it's possible is because of him as our source. That's the key, guys. We can only love because we've first been loved by him. And so when, when you're connected to God's source, when you're tapped into God's source and living out this kind of radical love, that is how you become a person worth looking for and staying for. Because one of the things, too, when we're connected to God's source, even like it talks about the branch and the fruit, like when you have Jesus in your life and his Holy Spirit working through your life, there are fruit. It even talks about in the Bible the fruits of the Spirit, that just being connected to God, listening to his Spirit, will produce in your life kindness, patience, self-control, gentleness, all of these great things. And it only comes from God being your source. And when you do this, when you have him in your life, you're listening to him, you're remaining in him, you act differently. You value things differently. You see and you treat people differently. Two people embracing this kind of approach, I believe that's how you fall in love and you stay in love. I believe that's how you have romantic relationships that are successful for many and many years, is each of you plugged in to God's source of love and giving it back to each other each and every day. It opens us up to a whole new experience and a whole new narrative when it comes to our relationships. So with all that said, what's the practical? You know, we put this on the screen every single week. That's normally when I come out and you're watching me to get the keyboard on. That's normally what happens. We're at that point in the message. And um, when we have this on the screen, it's because we want you to know what to do on a Monday with what you've heard from us on a Sunday. And so I'm going to do the practicals in a little fun way this week. I'm going to actually divide it into what stage of life you're in currently. That way you can really know what to do with what you've heard. So first off, if you are single in the room, my practical to you is this. Ask yourself and ask yourself honestly, are you the person that the person you're looking for is looking for? Are you just looking or are you working on becoming? Because this is your chance to do that groundwork, to you know, work on becoming a person worth being in a relationship that lasts a long time. And so if you have habits that you need to kick, if there are things you've been waiting to change until you were motivated by meeting the right person, stop, work on that now. Because if you don't, you might miss that right person entirely. And if you're young in the room, even like students in the room, and you might think, well, I'm years away from dating. How do I work on becoming this right person? There are things that you can work on right now with the relationships in your life right now. Honestly, all of us can. Think about your parents, your friends, your siblings. Those relationship skills or flexing those relationship muscles, if you will, like having self-control, having patience, having kindness, all those things, you can work on that right now. Because students, you might say like, well, I don't want to. It's just my mom. This is just my mom, like whatever. But if you're not careful, one day it's just my mom can become, eh, it's just my wife. So that is so important that you can start becoming that person and working on that right now. If you're dating in the room, a little more straightforward here. If you're dating, don't let love blind you. 
do your homework and bring in wise counsel. Because yes, you're still working on that groundwork, but really now you're in the homework phase. I hate to give you homework, but you're in that phase where you have got to have an honest conversation with yourself, with God, with people you trust about the relationship that you're in. And don't just talk to anyone. Really ask God to give you those people that you should be seeking counsel from. They should be people that are in a relationship that you respect. And you have to do the hardest thing when you're doing that, and that is listen. Listen to what they have to say. If you're engaged, yours is short, simple, and sweet. It's go through premarital counseling. I can't say this enough. It's simple, but you've got to prepare. You are in the prepare phase. Now, Christian and I, we were both overachievers in every category of life. And so when we got to this stage, we were like, yes, let's do all the premarital possible. And we had like two different churches doing premarital with us because we were just, we were so excited. And that should be something that excites you. You get to now plan for your marriage. And what breaks my heart is when people instead spend all their time in this stage planning for a wedding. But planning for a marriage is so wildly more important. So use this stage to prepare. Lastly, if you're married, I have not forgotten about you because this message is just as much for you as it's been for anyone else in the room. Because if you're married, I have a slight modification to the first question, it's this. Ask yourself, are you still the person that they were looking for. That's a doozy, right? I mean, think about it. Are you still that person or have you let kids, uh, stress, life, business, money, just being busy, get in the way of your becoming? Are you still the person that he or she believed they were entering into a relationship with? Like, I know we change and change can be good, but think about some of those things like how they won you over. Are you still doing that or are they still doing that? You know, I, like I said, I've been married for two years and I tried to really take to heart what I was speaking this week. And so since this was the category I in, I asked myself this question. And you know, whether it was the Holy Spirit speaking to me or just conviction, who knows? I, you know, thought to myself, wow, the one thing two years into marriage I have just completely given up on in life is cooking. And it's, it's true, it's so sad. I, with meal delivery services out there and my husband who goes to the grocery store, I can't even tell you the last time I went to the grocery store. And it's so sad and I have to like uh, admit that in front of all of you today. But I thought about that, I was like, that is something I have gotten lazy with. And so this week I cooked two nice home-cooked meals. It took me four freaking hours. Thank you, thank you, I'm just kidding. And it was like, as I was sitting there getting towards like hour four, I was like, why am I doing this? Um, this is why I don't cook. But no, I, you know, as truly though, as I was doing it, I was like, this, this is like a love offering to my husband. He loves chicken parm. And so I made chicken parm. And it was like, some, it could be those little things. It could be those little things you used to do. Maybe you know your wife used to cuddle and you used to cuddle at night, but you don't anymore. Maybe it's you know that their love language is words of affirmation. And so you used to write little notes because you know that you're not that good at remembering it, but you've just gotten lazy. Whatever it could be, big or small, I challenge you, you have a week ahead of you of thinking about what are the things that maybe I used to do. Am I still that person that they married? Am I still that person they were looking for? So, you know, we're gonna talk a lot about that, a lot about staying in love next week. I encourage you not to miss that, um, anyone in the room. But today I wanna wrap up by just saying this. Becoming the right person will prepare you to fall in love and to make it last. Will you pray with me? 
Dear Jesus, thank you so much for what can be a fun conversation, God, about this concept we all love. We all love love. And Lord, as there's so much around us that can tell us love is one thing or love is another thing, God, we can get so caught up in the wrong thing. And so I ask that as we seek you, that as we look to you in your example of love, that it would help us love those in our life better that we would be able to know how to be connected to you, to, to feel your spirit working in our lives, to help us become a person that you imagine for us, God. You want us to be the best version of ourselves in you. It's all to glorify you, God. It's all for you. And I just pray that you would help each and every person in this room have that perspective going from here today, have that, that challenge, that drive, to really lean into you and see how you can change us for the better from the inside out, God, so that not only would we be better for it, our lives be better for it, but God, that our relationships would be better for it. I pray for those dating in the room that you would give them wisdom. I pray for those single in the room that you would encourage them and guide them. And I pray for those married in the room that you would help us really evaluate how can I just bring God into this marriage and, and glorify you in a way that I haven't before. We want everything we do to reflect and honor you. So God, we lift all this up to you today in your great name, amen.